0: to do let's get into the show Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Hesha Abrams. She's a she's the founder and CEO of Holding the Calm and today's talk is going to be all about conflict resolution, negotiation and some of the tools and strategies to stay calm when the stakes are really high and the emotions are running high. So
1: Esha, welcome. Wow. My pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know you're, you're quite the, you know, you're traveling the executive and so tell people about your story and what you do and we'll get right into it.
1: Well, I'm an attorney mediator. I like to joke that I'm an attorney who evolved. I've been doing this three decades. I've done Facebook, Google, Microsoft, you know, IBM, NVIDIA. I mean, I work with all the big ones, but also small ones too. I mean, I mediated the case over the ownership of the secret recipe of Pepsi, which was, you know, another very, very interesting story. And so I have a laboratory of 30 years of how do you solve conflict and reduce tension. And, you know, conflict and tension can be or it can be, you know, which is actually worse. It's harder to deal with someone like that. And I like to joke that, you know, a 1,000 people can build a building and one idiot with a stick of dynamite tears it all down. Preserving and protecting what you've built and what you've done, you've gotta know how to handle conflict. And yet 99% of people don't. Their blood pressure raises, they get angry. We're basically one trick ponies. We try one thing, oh, didn't work with you, Chris, you're an idiot, you're ridiculous, you're a sociopath. You're fill in the blank. You know, and I'll tell everybody, I'm doing a billion dollar case. And late at night, you know what the CEO's talking to me about? His idiot lacrosse coach that's <sighs> screwing his kid on the team, or their difficult brother-in-law, or a crazy colleague. That's what they want to talk about. How do we do that? How do we handle some peace and harmony in our lives? So I'm happy to share some of that with you and your audience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And why is it that, uh, so many people, the most recently, whenever, you know, there's some sort of conflict, I, I started before I used to shy back away, but now I start to get curious. I try to enter into their world. Why are people so, uh, conflict averse?
1: Well, let me give you a great analogy. We all know, and then if you drip spaghetti sauce or teriyaki sauce or barbecue sauce on the counter if you wipe it up with a sponge no problem. It's done you leave it overnight you're scraping it off with a knife right you leave it three months or three years it's old and moldy and nasty that my friends is conflict and so we all know that so why don't we wipe it up with the sponge early well we don't know how we're afraid we're going to make it worse I tried and it failed. So we end up literally letting it wait and just get worse and worse and worse. And so that's the reason I wrote this book, which, you know, I don't have a background on me, but you know, Holding the Calm, The Secret to Resolving Conflict and Diffusing Tension, as a simple, little, cheap, inexpensive, easy to read paperback with 30 years of secrets and tricks. How do you do it? So you don't feel ill-equipped when you have to deal with the situation, you've got a couple of tricks. You've got some sentence stems. you got a little four part thing. I call Vox. I mean, you've got a whole bunch of things that you say, I'm going to try that and see if that works. And, you know, it's an Amazon bestseller. People are loving it.
0: What are some of the criterion? Cause I know um, uh, there's a, I've recently finished uh, Crucial Conversations, but uh, kind of tell the audience what are some of the relations, like the criterion when you should start implementing your tools and tactics.
1: Well, I say all the time, you know, it's sort of like, when should you brush your teeth? Well, morning and night, (laughs) you know, because Chris, you and I are chatting with each other and this is lovely, but let's say you said something that offended me or I said something that offended you, the dynamic changes like that, that Mm. quick. So it's noticing, okay, wet spaghetti sauce. I got to, I got to wipe that up because I can see it in your face. I mean, people don't hide that from you. You see it in their face that something just went wrong. And it Mm. can either be, what's wrong with you that you react like that? Or let me get out my sponge, wet spaghetti sauce. How do I do that? And then there's ways that you do that. But chapter one of the book is speak into the ears that are hearing you. So if I'm gonna to talk to you, Chris, let's say you're an introvert versus an extrovert. Shouldn't I speak to you differently? Yeah, you, know, no. you, you think about doctors, like you know, you go into a room and you just do the same thing you have to do with somebody. But if you wanna be effective, people, you can tell whether someone's an introvert or an extrovert in 30 seconds, it's not hard. Yeah. How do you want to approach them? just that way. How about a second one? Big picture versus detail. Big picture person is just handle it for me. Just deal with it. Get that all done. Detail person is I want to know how. I want to know what's going on. I want to be involved. Great. Somebody that just wants to get rid of it or somebody that wants to have control and power. These are really subtle, small things. But what I like about it is you can figure that out in 30 seconds talking to somebody. And let's say you're new at this game. Okay. It takes you two minutes. I mean, seriously, it's only hard because we make it hard. The books that are out there, a lot of them are selling an approach. Do it my way and you'll be successful. That's not why I wrote this book because I don't think that's true. I think it's like blood types. You know, blood transfusions came around really in the late 1700s for the first time, but they weren't really used until the early 1900s. And you're losing blood. Okay, you come over here. I'll give you some blood. Hmm, you lived, you died. Hmm, oh, well, until they figured out blood types. It's the same thing with these kind of conversations. You should never let anyone tell you there's only one way to do anything ever. It's like personalized medicine. I need to see you and then go, okay, which one of my tools is going to work best with you? What do I? What outcome do I hope to achieve? Where am I trying to go with this? And then you try something and let's say it doesn't work. Great. Try the next one. Uh,
0: one thing that this uh, uh, with um, I developed this during residency when everybody was freaking out and uh, just like you know the hysterical or just the kind of the aggressive you know jerk, and um, you just one of the problems was being able to get through them, get past that just that hysteria or just that just that aggressiveness. And so, what are some tools to to kind of because you know. How to help them but It's just you got to get through all that noise and jump to, to actually calm down. What worse some
1: tools? Exactly. So, exactly. never in the history of calming down has anyone ever calmed down by being told to calm down. <laughs> now, you know, I'm listening to doctors here. So, you guys know what an amygdala is. When I talk, I have to do a little neuroscience for dummies and teach people what an amygdala is. <laughs> what is the one thing that triggers the amygdala is powerless. If you say to somebody, Oh, you're out of control I'm in control. You have the power, but I have power. All we've done is activate the amygdala even more. That's all we've done. So the first thing you do is you give up power, simple, easy power in a negotiation. It's what do we start with first? Where would you like to sit? Let's say you're dealing with a, with a difficult guy on rounds. You really don't know. Is it just a personality disorder? Is he off his meds? Does he need meds? Did he not get sleep? Did he have a fight with his wife? Does he have a very limited skill set? Is he emotionally immature? You don't have time to figure that junk out. All you're seeing is the symptoms. Well, the symptoms are easy. Somebody needs power. He needs some level of control. So you give it to him on stupid stuff. Where would you like to begin? Mm. You think we should start? Uh Your advice is good. Just that lets the amygdala calm down. And then what happens is the person that's real aggressive is in, boom, a nanosecond, which is a billionth of a second. I look at you and say, friend or foe, that quick. Well, Mm -hmm. I want to switch it from foe to friend. Yeah. So I'm not a threat. I'm not a challenge. And if someone's really emotionally immature, I bow before your serious superior wisdom. Who cares? Who cares? What difference does it make? Because who's going to win the end? You don't think about the battle. You think about the war. Nice. So that's the simple stuff. In the book, I have a technique called VUX. Validate, understand, clarify, summarize. And I call it VUX because you can tell someone to VUX off. There's no way to <laughs> forget it now, are you? <laughs> the first step is to validate. Now, let's do the advanced course here. I can't validate you because you're an idiot or you're rude or you're selfish, or you're a narcissist, or you're a liar, or you're a power, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I can't validate you. What I do is I name the emotion. You seem really angry. I'm not angry, I'm frustrated. Okay, you seem really frustrated. That's step one. What does that say to the amygdala? Calm the heck down. Mm -hmm. And neuroscientists have shown, when they shove people in MRIs with electrodes and stuff all over their heads, is that when people's amygdalas are triggered they go into something called a refractory state which interestingly in almost everyone lasts for about 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and so what happens when someone's upset we tend to give more information more data persuade why the prefrontal cortex has shut down for 20 minutes so pull it back, it's 20 minutes, all right. I mean, let's say I'm in a hurry. Uh, if this goes into conflict, it'll take days or weeks, 20 minutes, let it calm down, give a sense of power, give a sense of control. Then you can have data, information, discussion, because now you have turned the person from seeing you as a foe to mm-hmm. a friend. It's And these are like these simple techniques in the book. And I, what I do is I have give people sentence stems and so, you want to know a good sentence stem to use, let's say at a holiday dinner when your idiot uncle spouts off and you just want to go, I want to kill you or shut up. Uh-huh. And you want to shut him up. This is the one that works every time for a talker that just won't shut up. You know what I admire about you? Silent. Not uh-huh. another word is spoken at all because they're like, moi, you have my full attention. I want to hear what you have to say. And you use whatever verb works for you. You know what I admire about you. You know what I respect about you. You know what I understand about you. You know what I see about you. You know what I love about you. Whatever verb you want to use for that person that's authentic, they stop. And then you say something like your persistence, your determination, your enthusiasm, your courage. It's that hard. And what does that do to the person? They just kind of go mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. know what to do after that. And yeah. now all of a sudden, you're a friend, not foe. You're not an enemy. you get me and no one else does, maybe you're okay. And look at how I did that in a minute, a minute. I mean, I'm, I'm a mediator, I do big, huge cases with gigantic egos. I've done plenty of, you know, doctor type cases from doctors that invented things that are having patent cases to med mouths to medical practices that are, you know, fighting with each other over partnership junk. So doctors are the same as engineers and lawyers and scientists. It's all egos. You know, you don't get to a high level of competence like you do in the, in the medical profession unless you have a big ego. Otherwise, uh-huh survive the gauntlet of medical school and residency, right? So by definition, there is bumper car ego. So let's not whine and complain that chocolate cake is fattening and Brussels sprouts aren't. It is what it is. So you speak into the ears that are hearing you and you handle it with what's gonna get you the outcome you want. And that's why I did the book as simple easy sentence stems, techniques, stuff like that, that people can literally, you know, pick up this little paperback and just go boom, you know? And what I find a lot of law firms and medical practices doing is having like little in-house trainings with it, with the nurses and the secretaries and the receptionists, cause they're the front line of defense dealing with client retention, patient retention, and you are in the back, you don't even know what the heck is going on. So being able to have them know how to handle stuff You want to have a successful practice, you make sure your frontline staff knows how to handle problems and treat people well. And then people go, what a nice office, because they (laughs) do for very little time, they deal much more with your support staff.
0: Yeah, really interesting. And um, so you talked about just kind of how to calm the other person down through these uh, diffusion uh, tactics. What about yourself? Like, you know, we get triggered all the time, you know, you know, some You know, whatever, you know, how do you calm yourself down when you're triggered or how do you remain civilized when, you know, just everything, you know, the shit hits the fan?
1: Yeah. I love that you asked that question. That's why I came up with that title of the book. The original book was all about negotiation strategies and how to handle difficult people, junk like that. And my publisher said, why are you good at what you do? Like, why do these big, huge companies hire you? And I said, well, I know how to hold the calm. And it goes, ooh, tell me about that. And Mm. that's literally what it is. I'm human. My amygdala gets triggered. Someone treats me rudely or disrespectfully, or I I hate just being, I'm a woman, so I hate when I'm being dismissed, Mm. you know, stuff like that. And literally what I will say to myself, like a talisman, is our mantra, I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm, I'm holding the calm. Mm. That takes two seconds. Now, neuroscience pop quiz, what did that do to my amygdala? It said, okay, girlfriend, you got choices. You got mm-hmm. options here. Let's find the choices and options and let's not react. And it creates a moat around my feelings and what I choose to do about them. And what did it take? Two seconds. Literally, yeah. that's why I call the book that because it, it, I do it all the time. And it works to keep you centered. Oh, well, I got to look at you. you. How am I going to handle you? What is that going to be? But now I have power because I've got choices. And when I take the power, I can, ch- you thought we were playing football? No, <laughs> we're playing golf. So the ball, but I'm just going to change what we're going to do.
0: Yeah,
1: That's literally, th- think about it. I walk into a room and a plaintiff says, I want $25 million. And a defendant says, here's 25000 go pound sand. <laughs> I'm not settling that by Outsmarting them, or outlogicating them, or giving them information—it's because I know how to do this, and mm-hmm. that's why I wrote this book so that other people can have advantage. You know, for those kind of uh, those kinds of things. And I'll—I'll I'll give you one more quick analogy that I love. Twenty-five cents each. How many would you buy? I don't know. I like apples. I'd probably buy two apples, four for a dollar. Thirty-five percent boost in sales. Now, that's just stupid. I mean, it's completely illogical and totally stupid, and it works across every culture, every gender, every sexual orientation, every age. It's a human being thing. And you want an extra 10% boost in sales? Limit two, because that guy's not gonna get my apples. It's ridiculous, and yet that's human beings. So trying to do things with logic, reason, and rationale, honestly, are failure techniques. And I I mean, people, it's job security for me when people do that because then I get called in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Quite interesting. What, uh, I'm just curious for myself, what role does, you know, meditation help or, you know, you have to, you know, take 10 minutes out of your day, just kind of, just, you know, uh, get present. Is it different for introverts, extroverts? What, you know, what role does that play?
1: Well, you know, I'm a big believer that everyone has to do it their way. I personally do yoga and meditation and I, I find that important and valuable for me, but I'm also busy and sometimes I forget and then the universe will come in and whop you upside the head and go, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna sit down and clear my mind and mindfulness because it just lets me think more clearly. When your amygdala is activated, you are not thinking clearly, you're thinking mm. reactively. Mm -hmm. But when you get clear and you get, I call it a moat, like you can step back and you can breathe options and choices that were not there all of a sudden become there. So Mm -hmm. it's having that presence of mind to do that. And if you do it by exercise and you do it by meditation and you do it by mindfulness and you do it by singing in the shower, God bless, you know, whatever it is you do to get yourself into that zone state and I always tell people have some grace you know life is hard if it were easy, all of us would be able to do it well and people don't do it well. We know that. So you have some grace and there's a Zen saying that I love that you know you don't you don't decide the character of a person by how many times they fall down, but by how many times they get up. So each time you know you do something that, that went well, you do a forensic yay me and every time something didn't go well you go. Ugh. How am I gonna learn from this? You know, my my sister and I call them AFGEs. Another freaking growth experience. Nobody wants, but you're dumb to not harvest the value out of them. So you know, such is life. And then that's you know, there's a a story that I have put in the book that a friend of mine, I me mean, a friend of my husband's, is a Navy SEAL, and you know, they're supposed to be able to tread water until they die. And so my husband said to him, "So, how long can you tread water?" And he said, I don't know. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> i like to think about that for me in my work and what I do. How big can I get? How creative can I get? How patient can I get? How creative, how loving, how tolerant? I don't know. I'm not dead yet. So I better be better next year than I am this year. And the people listening to your podcast, we're already preaching to the choir, right? We already <laughs> have people that want to Just have continual self-improvement, the Six Sigma, Navy SEAL stuff. Why not? You know, it makes life much richer. I'd rather have, I'm going to be alive, let me at least have a rich, meaningful, valuable life rather than just kind of going through the motions. I love that.
0: How can people contact you, follow you on social media, check out the book, um, and reach out to
1: you? I appreciate that. I'm on LinkedIn, Hesha Abrams. Uh, I have a Facebook page uh, holding the uh, or on Facebook, and then the web page is holdingthecalm.com. So you can go to the web page. I've got podcasts on there on every topic and trainings, and all free. I just want people to get this information out there. And um, connect with me on LinkedIn because I I'm posting new stuff all the time. My little baby paperback is everywhere. But if you're kind enough to get it on Amazon, please leave me a nice review because <laughs> that helps. That you know, the search engine, uh, demon gods. <laughs> and we're just trying to get, you know, the word out there that things don't have to be hard. You know, it's like, if you can't see, and then I stick glasses on you, uh-huh. Oh, I didn't even know how bad it was. That's what this is with tension and conflict. You mm-hmm. know, we don't have to live like that. So yeah. anyway, I hope it helps your audience. Yeah.
0: Excellent. And really fantastic conversation. Really interesting slant tension and conflict. Hesha's uh, resources, all our social media channels will be in the links in the show notes. Be sure to check out the book on Amazon and check it out as well right after this. And uh, with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast.
1: My pleasure, everybody. Hope you have a great day.